of Jared Bill Torah, calling believers from man's institutions to God's instructions. It looks like it's Woman's Day again at Red Pill Torah, and it's a good day. I'm Tim. And I'm Miss. Today we're going to be talking about two women you may not have heard about in your everyday Bible reading. They are Shifra and Pua. You can email us at redpilltorah at gmail.com, follow us on redpilltorah.podbean.com, find us at our website, www.redpilltorah.com, as well as on Facebook, Twitter, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Deezer, TuneIn, Spotify, Listen Notes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and YouTube. We love to hear from you. And don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. And thank you to all who have done so already. Also, we want to send a big shout out to our listeners in Virginia and Australia. Amen. Shalom. So some years ago, one of the elders at the Messianic congregation we attend gave a drosh, a sermon about two heroic women in the scriptures. Personally, I knew I had read the scripture passage before, but I wasn't conversant on their names. What they did was powerful and relevant to us today. He taught about Shifra and Pua, the famous Hebrew midwives of Egypt. We learn about them in Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. But to give you context, Tim, let's start reading at verse 8. Okay. Now there arose a new king over Egypt. He knew nothing about Yosef, but said to his people, Look, the descendants of Israel have become a people too numerous and powerful for us. Come. Let us use wisdom in dealing with them. Otherwise, they'll continue to multiply. And in the event of war, they might ally themselves with our enemies, fight against us, and leave the land altogether. So, they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built for Pharaoh the storage cities of Pitom and Raamses. But, The more the Egyptians oppressed them, the more they multiplied and expanded until the Egyptians came to dread the people of Israel and worked them relentlessly, making their lives bitter with hard labor, digging clay, making bricks, all kinds of field work. And in all this toil, they were shown no mercy. Moreover, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was called Shifra and the other When you attend the Hebrew women and you see them giving birth, he said, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let her live. However, the midwives feared Jehovah, so they didn't do as the king of Egypt ordered, but they let the boys live. The king of Egypt summoned the midwives and demanded of them, why have you done this and let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, it's because the Hebrew women aren't like the Egyptian women. They go into labor and give birth before the midwives arrive. Therefore, Jehovah prospered the midwives, and the people continued to multiply and grow very powerful. Indeed, because the midwives feared Jehovah, he made them founders of families. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every boy that is born, throw in the river, but let all the girls live. So from this passage, we learn that Shifra, Pua, and all of Israel were living under very oppressive conditions. And then, to make matters worse, the ladies were later instructed to do the unthinkable, to be an accessory to murder. 
according to Scripture, this was something they refused to do. Somehow they convinced Pharaoh that they were not responsible for the live births, although Scripture says they were. The names Shifra and Puah are not usual names to us. You know, I can't think of a single Shifra or Puah that I've ever met. Like most Hebrew names, they have a meaning that reflects what they did. Shifra means beauty, and Puah means radiant or splendid. These seem like very fitting names for these brave and godly women. I agree, Daddy. I'm sure many of our listeners may have noticed, though, that Shifra and Puah blatantly misled the Pharaoh. Did their response violate the ninth commandment, don't bear false witness, or we say it, we say it shorter, don't lie? Well, a few episodes ago, our friend Valerie Moody taught from her awesome book, My Big Fat Greek Mindset. Now, if you missed those podcasts, please go back and listen to episodes 69 and 70. Mm-hmm, they they will good. be a great blessing to you. Now, on pages 22 through 24 in her book, Valerie gives a very clear answer to this question. In the Greek or Western way of thinking, Shifra and Pua were lying. We never see, however, Elohim accuse them of lying. We do read that Elohim blessed them by giving them their own families. As Valerie Moody explains it on page 23, a lie in Hebrew is disagreeing with Elohim's truth or not fulfilling a destiny or a purpose. When a person knows Elohim's truth and does not agree with it, that person is lying. If a person knows his destiny and does not do what Elohim asks, he is not being truthful in the Hebrew way of thinking. When they told Pharaoh what they did, they were agreeing with Jehovah's truth to not murder, which is the seventh commandment. They were obeying the instructions before the instructions were given on Mount Sinai. I agree. The example of a person disagreeing with Elohim's truth is when King Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 17 through 23, did not listen and obey Jehovah's instruction, and thus not fulfilling his purpose. He did some of what Jehovah instructed, but not everything, and it cost King Saul everything. An example of someone fulfilling their purpose is when various citizens during World War II hid the Jews from the Nazis and refused to disclose their location. In Western thinking, it can be perceived that they told a bold-faced lie to the German army, but to Jehovah, they were preserving life and agreeing with his mitzvot. This example and the story of Shifra and Pua are great examples of why it's important to read the Bible with a Hebrew perspective, not with whatever cultural background perspective you may be familiar with. When we don't respect the Hebrew culture, we can end up imposing our own meaning to the scriptures rather than Jehovah's intended meaning. That being said, please consider getting a copy of Valerie's book, My Big Fat Greek Mindset, for more in-depth insights about the dangers of Greek thinking while reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. Valerie's book is a real blessing, and so is Valerie. Mm -hmm. You know, looking back at the scripture we just read, Mama, this was not the only time that a king tried mass killing of babies to stop the plan of Jehovah. Matthew chapter 2, starting at verse 16, reads, When Herod realized 
that the Magi had tricked him, he was furious and gave orders to kill all the boys in and around Beit Lechem, or Bethlehem, who were two years old or less, calculating from the time the Magi had told him. In this way were fulfilled the words spoken through the prophet Yirmiyahu or Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, sobbing and lamenting loudly. It was Rachel sobbing for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no longer alive. After Herod's death, an angel of Jehovah appeared in a dream to Yosef in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to Eretz Yisrael, or the land of Israel. For those who wanted to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother and went back to Eretz Yisrael. Daddy, in these scriptures, I see a lot of parallels between Moshe and Yeshua. Mm -hmm. First, again, we see people who feared Elohim more than they feared the king. They did what preserved life, in this case, the life of Yeshua, the son of Elohim. Second, in both cases, this awful tactic was employed to preserve political power. Thirdly, special children were used by Jehovah to bring his word and plan of salvation to the earth. Moshe was the first chosen child, and Yeshua was the one spoken about in Matthew chapter 2. Yeshua is the prophet to whom Moshe referred to in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 15. And it says, Yehovah will raise up for you a prophet like me from among yourselves, from your own kinsmen. You must shema, or hear and obey him. Lastly, Moshe brought the Torah to Israel. And Yeshua came to Israel, the living Torah. From the Hebrew culture, we learn that life and history is a series of circles or reoccurring patterns. This is crystal clear in the story of Shifra and Puah. Mm -hmm. These women's bravery in the face of certain death serves as a memorial for all believers. Like them, we know that life is valuable and given only by Yehovah Eloheinu. Amen, Daddy. With every child's life they saved, there were generations of lives preserved. Think of the children, grandchildren, and so on, born to these babies over time, who made great contributions to the world during their lives. Think of the countless people who benefited from their contributions, directly and indirectly. Remember, the promise that Elohim made to our father Abraham? If the Hebrew males were wiped out by Pharaoh, how could Elohim's promise come true? Shifra and Pua aligned themselves with the covenants of Elohim, even though it meant standing against the might of Egypt. It is a sobering thing to consider what you would do if your government's orders were contrary to the instructions of Elohim. Judging from their behavior, we can tell what Shifra and Pua decided to do, even though they did not give an answer that directly confronted the Pharaoh. I can think of an example when Hebrews were confronted with this type of situation, and then they gave a bold answer. We can find that in Daniel chapter 3, beginning at verse 16. The three Hebrew boys, as we called them in Sunday school, refused the king's commandment to bow down and worship his statue. They said, your question doesn't require an answer from us. Your majesty, if our Elohim, whom we serve, is able to save us, he will save us from the blazing hot furnace, 
and from your power, but even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will neither serve your gods nor worship the gold statue which you have set up. I love their boldness, and I love the midwife's determination to do what was right in the sight of Jehovah. May we all have the boldness to do what's right, like Shifra and Pua did. And may we be found faithful to Jehovah's will and commandments, no matter what. So, that brings us to the question, what would you do if you discovered that the way you live your life and some of your beliefs were out of line with God's instructions? Would you take the blue pill and just do what you're told, knowing it goes against the stated will of Jehovah? Or, would you take the red pill and do the right thing? like Shifra and Pua did. Only you can answer that question. Thank Elohim for the example of these two wonderful women of faith with works. I love what the elder said in Shabbat service years ago. This scripture serves as a memorial to the faith and courage of these women and the faithfulness of our Elohim. You know, miss, you are a great woman of faith with works, just like Shifra and Pua. Thank you, Daddy. I pray Yeshua finds me that way too. In fact, may we all be found worthy to be remembered for honoring Jehovah, upholding his instructions in love, and backing our faith with works according to Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 through 14. Well, everyone, that's it for today's podcast. Please go back and listen again to what we shared and talk about it with your family and friends. Thank you for spending 15 or so minutes with us at Red Pill Tour, where you can... Handle the truth.